Warning! Deep Fix contains adult content and language. So if you don't touch processed foods but eat gummy bears, this may not be for you. And now, Deep Fix. Hello, and welcome to Deep Fix, where we're getting a fix of all of our favorite obsessions. I'm your host, Jen B. And this season, we're going back to the epic beginning and doing a deep dive into Real Housewives of New York City, seasons one through three. And this episode, we're breaking down season two, episode one, There's a New Girl in Town. Now, let's get our fix. We're back, and we're ready for a breakdown of season two of Real Housewives of New York City. As we've talked about before, things start to get heated in season two, right from the jump, and I just love this first episode that opens up the season. It's great, and it gives such a, it just sets the tone for the entire season. But before we jump into Turtle Time with an overview of the episode... Let's go back in time and revisit the housewives because, yes, we have a new housewife, everybody. Kelly Kalor and Ben Simone is on the scene. So take a trip with me down memory lane and let's revisit the season two Real Housewives of New York City taglines. To a certain group of people in New York, status is everything. I never feel guilty about being privileged. New York City is my playground. I run with a fabulous circle of people. I like making my own money. I find that an aphrodisiac. I've created a great life, and I love living it. Does that take you back or what? I love it. So you can see we have, for all of the existing housewives... The same taglines, but we do get new outfits, which some of them, like Jill's, thank God they changed them. And so we get Alex to a certain group of people in New York, status is everything. And she has a much better look. She's got a purple and white, what looks like a Hervé Leger dress, very fitted. She's tall, thin. It's the perfect dress for her. She looks great. Simon's in the background and he's dressed down. He's not quite as flamboyantly dressed as he usually is. He's just got a nice leather bomber jacket on. They both look great. He's in the background with the kids. And then we've got Luann, who never feels guilty about being privileged. And she's wearing a red maroon classic tank sleeveless number. She looks classic, always beautiful, as Luann always does. The Count and the kids are behind her. And then we have Bethany, New York City is my playground. She's got Cookie in the background, her dog. She's in a tight silver metallic shiny, like sexy cocktail dress, kind of harsh makeup, severe makeup and hair. It's not a good look for her, which is bad, which is too bad because she has a lot of great looks and she, you know, she looks great. But unfortunately, the thing that's going to open up every single show for season two is not my favorite look. It's a bit too vampy. Her first season opening was so much softer and prettier. And then we've got Jill. I run with a fabulous circle of people. It's a much better look for Jill. Remember, she had that hideous brown ruched satin dress in season one. She clearly learned her lesson. She's wearing a classic black little cap sleeve cocktail dress. She looks great. Bobby and Allie are behind her. Then we've got Ramona. I like making my own money. I find that an aphrodisiac. And she, as as usual, she looks great. She's wearing a silver sparkly cocktail dress. She looks young. Mario and Avery are behind her. And then we have the new housewife, dun da 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 Kelly Kalor and Ben Simone. I've created a great life and I love living it. She's got C and Teddy, her two daughters, behind her. She's got a, a red maroon, kind of tight, long sleeve, super short dress on, very Kelly. But before this season even launches with the taglines, we've got a big last season recap But before we get into that, let's do a recap of the episode, because it's turtle time. Before we dive into the episode, let's take a moment for a little turtle time for a recap of the season two premiere of Real Housewives of New York City. 
The episode opens up with the Jill, Alex, and Simon epic fight, which is really the primary focus of this episode. And so as for Alex, we see Jill and Simon apparently have both spoken to the press. Remember, this is brand new. They're not tried and true Bravo liberties yet. They're just starting to pick up some momentum with the tabloids in the press. So Jill and Simon both trade jabs with each other in the press, which leads to Page Six in New York City publishing an article called The Real Cat Fights of New York City, where Jill is quoted as saying that Simon drinks too much. So Jill and Alex have a call where Jill apologizes, but she clearly still needs to speak to Simon. And Alex makes sure to let Jill know as much. And interestingly enough, Alex and Simon also plan a trip to the Hamptons over the summer. Recall, the Hamptons is akin to work for us, as Simon says. So we follow them to their Hamptons rental, which is eclectic, I think I'll say, to say the least. That's It's really just a shithole. But they're going to the Social Life magazine party in the Hamptons over the summer. I think it's over the 4th of July, which is explains a lot. But at that party in the Hamptons, they run into Jill and recall only Alex and Jill had spoken at that moment. Jill had not seen Simon yet to apologize. So Jill and Bethany are at the party. They run into them. It's a little awkward at first, but eventually they all make up and Alex and Simon even attend Jill's charity event that closes the episode. And as for Luann, interestingly enough, she's not as prevalently featured on this episode as she was many of the episodes last season, but she does introduce Kelly to the show. So she does play a big role in that part. But Luann does pop in and out. We see that she gives advice to Jill when her when she's talking about her fight with Alex and Simon. And we see her also, as I said, meet up with Kelly at none other than Bobby Vans again in the Hamptons which is the introduction the introduction of Kelly Ben Simone. And then of course she's also at the Social Life magazine party in the Hamptons. And of course at Jill's charity event which closes the episode as I said. And that leads us perfectly into Jill Zarin because as I said her fight with Alex and Simon is really a primary focus of the episode. And so of course because Jill opened her big mouth as Bethany says to gossip columnist Cindy Adams of Page 6 we get the Jill, Alex, and Simon fight. And it's interesting. I feel like we see a lot of Jill's inner workings here. Her vindictiveness when she feels like she's been wronged, the behind-the-scenes planning, a lot of her reactionary behavior and her excuse-making. Even when she's remorseful, she still excuses and just tries to justify her bad behavior. I think this episode is fun. I always loved the original premieres in the first few episodes of the OG Roni episodes because they were so light and fun. They always started out in the Hamptons where the ladies were wrapping up their summer away from New York City. And this episode doesn't depart from that. And we get a lot of Jill's Hamptons house, which is nice. And I will say I loved seeing the episodes when um, Jill and Bethany are together because Bethany is spending the summer with Jill. And of course, Jill's Yenta ways get her inside scoop on Alex and Simon's uh, Hamptons rental. And we also get not only the call with Alex where she makes she apologizes to Alex, but we get she and Simon's makeup at the Social Life magazine party. And then, of course, we see her charity event, Help for Orphans, which is the big party at the end of the episode. And as expected, Jill... Being the connector, being the the person who knows all the people, <laughs> she's front and center at the episode, and I wasn't surprised. And as I mentioned, Bethany is staying with her this summer. So as for Bethany, she's really the moderator for Jill and her fight with Alex and Simon, which is always fun for us to see because she says it like it is. And as I said, Bethany is staying with, with Jill in the Hamptons, so we get a lot of the fun Lucy and Ethel, Jill and Bethany interactions, which is great for the show and the audience. And Bethany's really by her side the whole time from getting grilled about Kelly and the pool, a scene for some reason, which always sticks out in my mind, Bethany and Jill sitting in Jill's pool in the Hamptons, and Jill being the entity that she is, is just grilling Bethany about everything that she knows about Kelly Ben Simone. She's like, I don't even know her that well. But then from that to helping her navigate the Social Life magazine party, because she's nervous, Jill, to see Alex and Simon and Bethany talks her down. And she's really, she shows herself to be Jill's wingwoman. And then at Jill's charity event, we also see Skinny Girl Cocktails becoming a thing as she talks with Alex about changing the logo and getting it right. 
And then we have Ramona, who is really a bit of a narrator this episode. She's not super involved in a lot of the drama or stuff with the other ladies, but we do get her reaction to the gossip the gossip column, to the page six column. And so she really becomes the, the audience's reaction as well for that. But she's not out in the Hamptons. She's not at the social life party. We get to see more of Ramona's personal life. Again, I always wonder if Jill's trying to ice her out. But we see a date night with Mario. Sometimes she spends with Avery. But she just she does join, join the ladies in the Hamptons eventually for Jill's charity event, at which, of course, she pulls an Irish goodbye. And last but not least, we have Kelly, who we don't really meet until halfway, maybe even more than halfway through the episode. Luann brings her in. She meets her for drinks at Bobby Van's. We we definitely get it, or at least I definitely get a too cool vibe from Kelly. She's She always seems a bit disinterested and like she's got somewhere better to go. But as she explains herself, she's an equestrian. She's a model. She's an author. Interesting. She's a mom. And we do get a short montage of her to get to know her. So we see her hanging with a lot of men at her beautiful Hamptons home. But we, we, we're we starting to get a vibe of her quirkiness, maybe I'll call it for now. And those are our six ladies that make up the Roni season two housewives. So now it's time to dive deep into the episode with a breakdown of season two, episode one. There's a new girl in town. Let's get to mentioning it all. All right, it is time to mention it all about the Roni season two premiere, which I forgot, I have to say, I forgot how much I love this episode. When I went back and rewatched it, it is so fun. I I just, I, I thought season three was going to be the episodes where I'm like, oh, I forgot how much I love this episode. But here we are opening up season two and I've got one of them already. So the season two premiere opens up, not with the taglines and the intros, but with Bethany's voiceover saying last season on The Real Housewives of New York City. And we start to get flashes of clips from last season with Jill shopping and whipping out all the cash when she was with Allie. We get Ramona going crazy on the dance floor. Simon and Alex on the boat or Simon's on one knee at her birthday party being ridiculous. And then the finale cheers. So that sets the stage for what we're about to launch into. But then there's approximately a three-minute recap of everything from season one. That, to me, was so indicative of the gaining popularity of this show. They are definitely setting up to get new viewers. They they gave almost nearly a full recap of season one in the first three minutes of the season two premiere. And they open up the recap with Jill's famous scene talking about how Manhattan society is a small circle and entry is quite expensive. And I just, man, did they get a lot of mileage out of that clip. Then they show Ramona kissing her girlfriend by the pool at her Hamptons house with Avery disgusted. They flash to the scene of Bethany telling Alex that Simon is in the midst of a deep homosexual panic. They cut to Luann saying every summer they go to the Hamptons, which is great for socializing. It shows them all packing up for the summer, shows Jill and Ramona's feud over the Hamptons cooking party and the tennis match and that whole rivalry, shows Ramona at Dr. Sharon Giese's office getting some light plastic surgery. They flash back to Luann's favorite scene where she says, you marry a count and you become a countess. Daddy! They get a lot of mileage out of that one, too. And then, of course, they show the infamous car scene with Clever and the please, miss it's like Mrs. De La Seps to the help. And then Bethany, get over yourself. <laughs> and then they do Alex and Simon Dirty again. They play the British royalty music, as I call it. And we see Alex and Simon shopping. And we get Alex's voiceover of the plan is to meet a lot of very high profile people. We see them the, after the Met when they are photographed in the Met for their fashion. We see them sitting in the restaurant saying, oh, well, it's always nice to be photographed. We cut to Bethany showing say, that, that clip of her with Alex saying how I think I just broke up with them when they're shopping. And Jill giving advice to Bethany as she was running away to Florida in the midst of her issues with Jason. And her friend telling her her eggs are getting old. And of course, they cut to Girls' Night Out where we see Alex ask if she can bring Simon. And then we get cuts of Ramona freaking out about Simon showing up to Girls' Night Out. Then they show, of course, that creepy scene where Alex repeats, I can do whatever I want after Simon says she can do whatever she wants. 
And then they cut to the finale with Ramona, of course, showing up late and Jill is irritated. But it ends with Ramona apologizing, the apologizer, the beginnings of the apologizer. She's apologizing for Bill for being late. And it ends with Jill saying, all right, whatever. And then they lead into the show. And like I said, it struck me at how long the introduction was and how they hit on nearly every piece of controversy or fun that was on season one. And albeit it was only seven episodes plus the reunion. But still, it's very indicative of how popular the show was becoming and Bravo was taking note. So at that point, they finally do the lead into the show with the taglines, which, as I said, are the same taglines for the ladies short of Kelly because she's new. But they do get new outfits. As I discussed earlier, I'm sure some of the housewives were very grateful for the fact that they reshot the opening tagline scenes. And this opening scene is one of the reasons why I say I just forgot how much I loved this episode. And before we even see anything, we hear Bethany call out for Jill and she says, holy cat fight. What did you do now? And Jill's, you know, of course, like, what, what? And we see Bethany say, did you talk to Cindy Adams at the New York Post? And for those of you who don't know, Cindy Adams is a famous New York City gossip columnist, really since around 1979. And so, of course, Jill answers, yeah, why? And Bethany makes fun of her, yeah, why? And it's interesting because they definitely, they show the New York Post, they show the real cat fights of New York City headline. They mention Cindy Adams by name. They mention the New York Post. There's a lot of play here for the Post and Cindy Adams. So either somebody was friends or there was some some behind the, the, the scenes deals going on. But po- the Post gets a lot of action here. So again, great editing. They cut to Alex, who we see her. It clearly looks like it's early in the morning. She's in a skirt and a little sweater. Like she kind of threw her sweater on to run out because she says a friend tells her probably a producer, that she needs to go down to the corner and pick up today's New York Post and see what was written uh, inside. And there was something about this whole scene with Alex and Simon that, unlike today's Housewives, feels authentic. Because it seems like the producers called her and were like, oh shit, there's a Cindy Adams article. It's going to get a lot of play. We're coming over. You walk over to get the paper. Because Simon is getting ready for work. You can tell she's, she's not camera ready. But again, I love the authenticity of it all. So she walks to get the paper. We cut to Jill and she's explaining to Bethany that an article came out the week prior in New York Magazine. And she says, uh, Alex and Simon, they took a low blow and hit me. And so I hit them back. (laughs) Typical Jill. And Jill basically admits that she's pissed because Simon said something to the extent like she's from Long Island and it shows. And so she was pissed. And so she said she talked to Cindy Adams as a revenge hit on Simon and Alex. And side note, I noticed, especially because last season, I think it was Leah, Leah Sophia. Bethany got necklaces and earrings from Leah Sophia from Jason, her boyfriend, for her birthday. And I couldn't help but notice simply because I have the same necklace, but she is wearing it's either Stella and Dot or Leah Sophia, but it's the gold circle pendant that has your initials carved in it. I couldn't help but notice she's wearing it. I have it too from back in the day, but I digress. So Jill admits that she was pissed and that's why she talked to Cindy Adams. Jill then starts reading from the article and it says, in quotes, I do not speak to those those two, which Jill says, okay, I didn't ever say that. And then back in quotes, it says, first of all, he drinks too much. Ouch. Which interestingly enough, Bethany says, well, that's true. And so does Jill. But Jill's like, yeah, but I still shouldn't have said it. But of course, she doesn't leave it at there. She says, but when you fall down three times at a party, people are going to see it and start to talk. But she shouldn't have said it. So then we cut to Simon and Alex. They're sitting on their couch reading the article. And Simon comes across the, first of all, he drinks too much. And he says, oh, and I'm very insulting. Then they cut back to Jill and she just can't take any accountability for it. It's the excuse barrage that we get to know and love from Jill Zarin. We hear her saying, well, after he said that in New York Magazine, he should have called me and told me about the article, and he didn't. And then we cut back to Simon, who's just simply, who you can tell he's a bit shocked. He says, why go there and say I drink too much and I'm insulting? And I will say Alex looks a bit uncomfortable because as I've said before, I have no proof, but you did get the vibe that perhaps Simon drinks too much. I just, I don't, and he smoked cigarettes. I just didn't like the whole vibe. And Alex always seemed on edge when he would start to drink too much, like perhaps he exhibited poor behavior and she was trying to block that. 
I've been there, done that. I see the look in her eyes. It's almost, it's very telling. It's almost as if she thinks he drinks too much too. It's why she's so uncomfortable. And then we see Alex's first confessional and she looks really pretty. You can tell she stepped it up from last season. Much improved. Although I always feel like she has bad luck with her skin. She always has like some ginormous pimple or something. Poor thing. But I noticed when she's wearing the royal blue sleeveless top in her confessional with her earrings. Those are the earrings that we see Simon buy her later on. So anyhow, Alex does, though, I will say she handles it really well. She says to Simon, you know, Jill likes to grind axes. She can't let things go from the past. I think it's a self-esteem issue, she says. And I couldn't help when Alex said that, remembering what Jill admitted last season when she was talking with her sister about how the reason why she likes to be part of the the social life, the social light um, stuff in New York City is because she wasn't popular when she was a kid and she didn't fit in. So perhaps Alex is onto something. And then we see one of Alex's confessionals and she says, sometimes I just want to hug her and tell her that she needs to write on her mirror in lipstick, I am good enough. (laughs) And then we see Simon's confessional, which is pretty funny. He's like, come on, get over it. I mean, we all joked and thought that it was Ramona that needed the therapist. Jeez. It's pretty funny. Which, though, of course, because again, it's great editing and great production becomes the perfect segue to cut to Ramona who again, we see reading the New York Post. She's it's there's so much publicity for the Post. It's not just them talking about it. They have the physical paper in their hand, they're sitting down reading it. We see her call Avery and says, Oh my gosh. And she's sitting there talking about kind of the horror of the real cat fights of New York City. And we do see a Ramona confessional where she says Jill does tend to overreact, which is not good because when you overreact, you can end up saying something that can really hurt other people's feelings, especially if you don't think about what you're going to say, which is funny. I feel like this whole this whole episode, they're calling these ladies out because everything that they, when they start to say these things in their confessional, they do it with Luann, they do it with Alex, they do it with Ramona, they do it with Jill. They cut to them saying something about somebody's behavior, which mirrors their own behavior almost 100%. And it's pretty funny. But then we cut back to Jill. We're seeing some remorse. She starts to say, now I feel bad about this. And Bethany, because she speaks the truth, Bethany gives it to her straight. And she says, well, yeah, that's the core issue. You come out like a raging piranha. You never understand the consequences of your action. Diarrhea of the mouth, full Tourette's. And then you, you know, feel bad about it. And Jill's like, you are such a bitch. And Bethany's like, yeah, but you know what I'm saying. And again, of course, it might be a little bitchy and straight to the point, but it's true. And the Bethany-Jill dynamic there, it's really interesting because we should have seen this coming because Jill is raised by a narcissist, so she does have a bit of narcissistic tendencies. And to be that outspoken and raw-tongued as Bethany speaking the truth about their the narcissist person, the narcissistic behavior of the other person, it's, we should have seen their collapse coming, but you just, you don't because they're so great together too. So you just don't see it coming. So Jill decides, and maybe because she was bitching about how Simon should have called her, and so she wants to make sure she looks good, and perhaps Bethany helped her out with that one, Jill decides she has to call Alex, so she does. And Alex is pretty cold on the phone. I've got to give it to Alex as much as she doesn't like confrontation. She, she always, she's very thoughtful about it, and she handles this quite well. So at first, Alex immediately goes to pass off the phone to Simon. Jill's like, why I called you? She's like, okay, fine. Simon says, great, no problem. I'm going to work anyway. He leaves. And we see Bethany in the background mouthing, oh, she's pissed to Jill. Because of course, Bethany's right there. Jill's on speakerphone. They're hearing everything. So Jill tries to apologize. She says she overreacted. And Alex says, well, there is a difference between overreacting and lying. And Jill, of course, says, what did I lie about? And then Alex picks up the post and quotes from the paper. And she says, Well, first of all, I don't speak to those two. And second of all, he drinks too much and he's insulting and blah, 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 the whole thing. She quotes it right back to, to Jill, which is pretty great. So Jill launches into the excuse train and says, I don't care that those had quotes. She's paraphrasing. I didn't say exactly that. But I did mention the drinking thing, which I shouldn't have. But there was this incident where he fell down. And so I did mention that. And we see Bethany again playing the wing woman. She's whispering to Jill, feeding her lines to say to Alex. She's reminding Alex, remember, she was there was that incident. She was trying to drag him out, but he wouldn't leave. Apparently he was hammered. To which Alex responds, 
that she doesn't get how being drunk at a party where everybody else was drunk short of Jill who drinks Diet Coke (laughs) translates to him having a drinking problem. So Jill finally is like, look, I'm sorry. It came out horribly. That's not what I meant. But of course, Jill, because she's excusing and justifying her behavior, says, but you guys hit me first. And Alex, you can tell, is a bit thrown off. She's like, how? What are you talking about? So then she brings up the New York Magazine comment about she's from Long Island and you can tell or something like that. And Alex says, "It, oh, Lord, it was not meant to be derogatory. And of course, Jill admits that that's the only reason she spoke to Cindy Adams at the Post. And Alex, in a really bold move, an honest move, jumps in and says, I get it. I know because you were jealous. We got the press. Bethany is laughing silently in the background. You see her and Jill going, oh, sure, you know, mouthing. Yeah, I'm jealous. But, you know, Bethany better better eat her words because she's sitting there saying that Alex is totally off base for saying that Jill was jealous that Simon and Alex got publicity and not instead of Jill. But let's fast forward Bethany to season three. That becomes one of the issues that Bethany points out that Jill couldn't take it when Bethany would get publicity if she wasn't involved as well. Anyway, but for now, Jill and Bethany, they're smirking at the comments. They think it's absolutely absurd. Bethany does the, oh, no, she didn't, that she did at the girls' night out party, which I think shows that she's tuned into the audience and the press. I've said this before, by even by the time the reunion rolled around, about what's being said about her and what they're liking, what they're not liking. They liked that she had the one-liners. I think the, oh, no, you, oh, no, she didn't at the girls' night out got some traction. She's smart. But I will say Alex manages to save the conversation with Jill. She handles it well, like I said. She says, I appreciate the call, but you will need to speak with Simon as well. I'm not going to get in between the two of you on that. They hang up. And, you know, even Bethany gives Alex credit. She says, you know, she's always she always rises to the occasion and she's always game. And then we cut to Ramona. We see her saying, I would not have said that stuff knowing it was going to be published in a newspaper. And she says it is going a bit too far. And then in a moment of awesome self-awareness, she says, and for me to say that, and she kind of laughs, noticing, you know, recognizing that she, if she's saying it goes too far, we should all take note. And I like it. She is, explains to Avery that that is just not nice behavior, regardless of even whether it was true. There are ramifications and, and you need to be aware of them. And at that point, we cut to the first commercial, what would be the first commercial break. So we open back up with Alex's house in Brooklyn. They're talking about the Social Life magazine party in the Hamptons, and apparently they're planning a trip to attend, so they are heading out to the Hamptons. Again, I think it's 4th of July weekend, which I just can't help but think producers aren't intervening here. I have a feeling they pressured Alex and Simon to go out to the Hamptons to be a part of the show. Recall, Ramona, Jill, Luann, and now Kelly all own homes in the Hamptons and spend the summers there. And that, as I said before, the first couple of episodes of the OG Roni, of the OG Roni seasons were them in the Hamptons winding down their summer as most rich New York people do. So I have this feeling that production pressured them to be out there with the other women and then to do it on a holiday weekend when the price to go out there, I'm sure is astronomical, but this is all conjecture. So we see them, they're getting ready for the trip, they're they're packing. Simon is mentioning how they're bound to run into Jill, but that he doesn't want any confrontation. And of course, he's pulling out outfits and he says, well, if I want something different, can we go shopping, please, please? It's It's so obnoxious. It's like you don't even have enough money to stay at a nice place in the Hamptons and you're trying to front, like, let's go shopping. Which is also kind of funny because I noticed... He pulls out this kind of light green linen, maybe it's linen suit from the closet. And I have to say, most people who are incredibly wealthy and spend a lot of money on clothes impeccably dry clean their clothes. And you could tell his suit, which isn't uncommon, but his suit had been worn a couple of times. It was all wrinkly as he was pulling it off. And again, it was like linen. And I just felt like if you were going out to the Hamptons on a big holiday weekend and you had a bunch of money to spare wouldn't you have everything dry cleaned and perfect? So anyway, just just my my own little thought. Don't front, Simon, don't front. And it's kind of hilarious too, because as he's standing in front of their bedroom door to the living room saying, oh, if, if, if I need more clothes, we can always go buy some, right? He's standing in front of their living room with a door that looks like it hasn't been sanded and painted in a hundred years. And they're in the background, their living room is just sparse 
and, and it, the furniture looks like it's old hammy town furniture, but whatever. Go spend tens of thousands of dollars on clothes. And then, of course, Simon is speaking to the kids in French as they misbehave, which I don't even know. It was It's just obnoxious. And so Alex, I'll give her credit. She jumps in and just says it in, in English, you know, hey, take the cars downstairs if you want to be loud. It's very simple. And the kids are like, okay, as Alex was, you know, I mean, as Simon's trying to speak to them in, in French, which I'm sure they don't even understand. But then we do wrap it up. We see there is this nice moment where they take their kids, they each take a kid to their respective bedroom and they read them a bedtime story. And I will say they do wrap it up with a, they give them a little bit of redemption with a sweet moment with their children. So then we go back to Jill's Hampton's house. We see Jill, Bethany and Allie. They're all sitting around her breakfast table. And Bethany is explaining how she had called a massage person who was supposed to come over. It was like Jill's massage lady, but she couldn't make it. So she had recommended somebody who's also busy and they sent over, they had one other contact who ended up coming over and giving, Bethany says this total weirdo showed up who actually gave me a pretty good massage. And of course, then she wanted to give Jill a reading and and Bethany says, and this Yenta over here, all she could do was talk the whole time. She did not relax one moment. So Jill says that the masseuse is explaining that she has two people staying with them for the holiday weekend. And Jill says, what's their names? And she says, Alex and Simon. And Jill just couldn't believe it. So we cut to Alex and Simon and they're driving to the Hamptons in their BMW. Johan, their youngest kid, is crying. And I just felt like this was so indicative of their lack of parenting skills and just just even awareness. The the codependency that, that Simon creates the whole nine yards Johan, he's a little boy. He's like two. He's sitting in his car seat. I'm sure they've been in in the car for several hours. It's a holiday weekend out to the Hamptons. I'm sure they were sitting in traffic. The, The kid is just crying, but they're panicking. Simon is just nonstop trying to distract him. Oh, look over here. Look over here. Are we looking for number 33? Number 33 is the number house. Do you see it? Oh, we're coming up close. And he won't shut up. The kid's crying in the background. Alex is in a codependent manner, probably how she treats Simon hugging the kid who's in his car seat, overly coddling him. And it's just, it looks like they have no clue how to handle kids. It's its an uncomfortable scene. We cut to Jill's confen- confessional and she calls him out. Why are they coming here? She says, they hate the Hamptons. And unfortunately, this increases my chances of running into them. You can tell Jill's pissed. So we cut back to the breakfast table with Bethany, Jill, and Allie. And Bethany's like, what are the freaking odds that the person who wasn't even supposed to be the person to come here and give us massages. And then we have Miss Mouth over here who gets it out of them that Simon and Alex are staying with her. It's freaking unbelievable. And Bethany confirms, you didn't get relaxed, did you? And Jill's like, nope, it was a full on gossip session. And Bethany says, exactly, you paid for a gossip session. And then we cut to Alex's voiceover that they don't need to rent a McMansion for their weekend that they're staying out here. And then we have a Bethany voiceover, again, where she's just pointing out the truth of where they're going wrong. And she says, all they have to say is that we don't know anyone and we want to be around fabulous people and be a part of it and go to every party. And she says, who cares, but just be authentic. And again, I've pointed this out before. Simon and Alex could have been in Bethany's shoes too and been very popular as the outsiders who don't have a lot of money, who don't have McMansions in, in the Hamptons that they spend the summers at. They it, And most people don't. They could have been so relatable had they just been authentic. But then it's so shady. Oh, production, you're so shady. Because cue the British royalty music as they drive into the house they've rented for the weekend. And they're panning on the just super old siding of the house. The attic window looks like it has a sheet as the drapes. It's just, oh, it's shady. And we cut to Simon. He says, yeah, the outside, it needs a coat of paint. There wasn't any pictures online when we rented it of the outside. Maybe we should have noticed. But once we were inside, the house was awesome. And awesome is is a, is a nice way to put it. And he, Simon just does that obnoxious thing again, because the, the house, and not like it's gross or anything, but it's very eccentric. It's overly decorated as as Alex says I think she says the house was decorated with it. every room was decorated within it within an inch of its life which is true but it's also it's run down and not like it was gross but it's just it's old it's run down and Simon he just does that uh he everything he does to me is so pretentious and obnoxious because the kids are in their bedroom there's two that they're going to be staying in there's two little twin beds again it's an old little room 
he says, oh, this can't be the boys' room. And Alex is like, why? He's like, because there's a TV in here and we don't allow TVs in our rooms, do we, boys? There's literally like a 10-inch old school portable TV from like the 1990s. But he just has to make the point that they don't let their kids watch TV. And Alex points out that mommy and daddy don't even have a TV uh, in their room. And she goes along with it. It's like, I would have just been like, whatever, it's vacation. This is where they're staying. And we would have walked out. But she, because she just coddles him. And again, I think she's perhaps afraid of the reaction from Simon if he doesn't get what he wants. But she goes along with this nonsense of the TV in the room. And then his parenting, it's like he looks at four-year-old um, Francois and he asks him, well, can we break the rules on vacation? You don't ask the four-year-old whether you're breaking rules on vacation. You can just simply make the statement, well, we're going to break the rules on vacation. It's just, he's so codependent. His parenting is just so fucking off. Anyway, I shouldn't uh, comment on people's parenting, but I did. So then it turns out they're walking up to the attic. You hear one of their kids say, oh, this must be the attic. They get up there. It turns out they're staying in the attic, which all of this makes me think that clearly when she says she has people staying with her for the weekend, they're not even renting the house. They're just staying with her. And this is why they're staying in the attic on this tiny little bed. (laughs) Anyway, the masseuse, the owner then shows up Gina she is definitely a weirdo. Um, she has a little dog with her porcini. She introduces herself. We see a voiceover of her explaining the house. And, you know, it's a great little farmhouse that has this really opulent pool. She says the pool is representative of ancient Babylonia. <laughs> and they're cutting as she's talking about this. Sure, there are columns and kind of a Greek vibe, I think, maybe to the pool. But as they're doing it, they're cutting to, it's just so run down. <laughs> they're cutting to all of the dirty lounge chairs with the dirty cushions. And it's pretty funny. And again, the pool could be very beautiful if it wasn't that everything was just in such disrepair. It was it was a pretty property. I mean, you're in the Hamptons. It was an ornate pool, but it was totally run down. So then they cut to Alex and Simon. Gina finally leaves. They have the kids. They're going to take them out for a swim in the pool. And the gate to the pool is just an old rusty wrought iron gate that is not connected to the two sides of the wall. So Simon has to pick it up and just move it over to the side. And he says, oh, the gate slides across like he's totally trying to cover for it. And you see them enter the pool and the kids are going to go swimming. And again, it's whatever. But the great again. But then here comes production. So shady. So good. Because the next cut is an overhead, it almost looks like a drone view of Luann's house in the Hamptons, which is so beautiful and perfectly manicured. There is a guest home with a beautiful pool, a big, beautiful, expansive lawn, and then just this beautiful home on the property. And the juxtaposition of the two, again, production, bravo, no pun intended. But then we get, and again, I felt like this was so authentic because Jill is stopping by Luann's house in the Hamptons with Allie and Jill, uh, and uh, pardon me, Luann, she shows up, she's got wet hair, very little makeup. It's like she either just jumped out of the shower or perhaps jumped out of the pool. And I just, again, she's not camera ready. And I feel like stuff was going down. Production wanted to make the most of the fight with Alex and Simon. And I'm sure Jill being a good friend to Luann was like, you want, you need to get in on this. Let's, you know, create a scene where I can sit and talk to you and get advice. So I feel like it was very off the cuff. And because Luann clearly wasn't camera ready, authentic. So Jill stops by with Allie. Allie and Victoria, Luann's daughter, go off and do their thing. And so Jill and Luann sit down to talk about the Post article. And Luann is a bit shocked. She said she can't believe that Jill put that in print And Jill explains herself. And so here comes the justification train from Jill. She mentions the anti-Hamptons comment from Alex and Simon. First of all, she's still pissed about the way that they've portrayed the Hamptons and how much they hate them. And again, I don't really know that that's something to be upset about, but whatever. And of course, then she mentions the Long Island comment that Simon has made. And then we cut to Luann sitting on her couch. And this is one of those moments where I feel like production is just calling him out for being shaped, for for saying something completely, for doing something completely hypocritical (laughs) to what they say. So they cut to Luann sitting on the couch. Luann, remember, the lady who told Bethany that to like the help, like drivers, she's not Luann, she's Mrs. De La Seps. 
So they cut to Luann sitting on the couch talking to Jill and saying, yeah, that is the worst. When when people think they're better than others, ugh. <laughs> it's so great. So Jill explains that she called Alex to apologize and told her, but you hit me first. And then she explains that Alex says that she's jealous. And Jill says, now I know they're coming to the Social Life magazine party and I'm uncomfortable. And Luann explains, yes, but you're just going to be very nice to them and be a lady and be more careful about what you say. And Jill says, well, of course, I just can't help but be nice. I'm just nice, which stop it. Jill, we're talking about the fact that you just weren't nice. But of course, Jill says she can't help but be nice because that's just who she is. But Luann, I will say Luann calls Jill to the mat on this and says, you know, I didn't like it. That's that's not you should not have said that it was wrong. You need to apologize for it. And and Luann kind of calls her out when she says, you hit me first. And Luann takes a stance against Jill when Jill is saying things like, oh, they hit me first. I'm such a baby. Jill says, or Luann says, what is this high school? You know, of course, yes, you are sounding like a baby. Just be a lady and move on. And Jill says, I need therapy. Luann says, we just need to have a dinner to talk it out. And don't, you know, don't kill each other in the public eye. It's that basic. So Jill says, thanks for the advice and eventually leaves. And we head into a next commercial break or what would be our next commercial break. And so we open back up with the Social Life magazine party. Jill explains that she was invited. And of course, she was coming with everyone in her house, which I feel like is such an insight into how the Hampton summer works. They've got people staying with them at their house and those people get to go to all the parties with them. It's why all these friends get benefits when they have uh, friends who have homes in the Hamptons. So you see Jill arrive and she's got Bethany and Brad, her gay husband, and Bobby. And I just, and we see right away, Jill is starting to complain, saying, this is not my scene. My feet hurt. We see Brad saying, the party is so pedestrian. Who are these people? And I do feel like Jill, knowing now that Alex and Simon were invited, feels like she needs to poo-poo the party because anything that's fabulous, they would not be invited to, right? That's how she's trying to portray it. So we also see her saying to Bethany, oh, I was at a party this ho- at this house a few weeks ago. You can tell this house is one of those rentals that a lot of the, you know, magazines and um, television and media companies rent out to host parties. So Jill explains she was at a party at this house a few weeks back that was way better. So of course, she's got to go on and on. And then we cut to Alex and Simon. They're at the party. And we see Bethany's confessional. She's explaining that Jill is feeling a lot of anxiety about seeing Alex and Simon, which of course is her guilt about having been an asshole in the public eye to them. But we see Bethany encouraging Jill to go over and say hello. She's like, just move on. Get it. Like, let's just get over it. Let's just get it over with. Let's get over there. We'll say hello and we'll break the ice. So they go over, but Alex gives him a bit of the cold shoulder. So Bethany says, okay, cold shoulder. I laughed. I cried. It was better than cats. I'm out, which of course Jill loves. And Jill's like, and Bethany explains, don't just stand here like a dog waiting for scraps. They clearly don't want to talk to us. Let's leave. So we cut to, they run into Luann. She shows up. She looks great. They give her the update on the ice, on the icy treatment that they were just received. And it's so great, Luann. She just can't help herself. A waitress brings Luann a beer in a bottle and she says, oh, thank you, my dear, but the countess does not drink beer in a bottle. And Bethany laughs. And she goes, third person, really, Luann? She, and then Bethany says, the chef doesn't drink. And <laughs> It's pretty freaking funny. And then we get another great voiceover from Bethany where she's explaining that it was like a freaking West Side story. They were over there. We were over here. And she explains it was so stupid. So she told Jill, just go over there and apologize. It's not that hard. So we see eventually Jill, Bethany, and Alex talk. They work it out. Alex explains that she was pissed. Bethany says, great, so you were pissed. Okay, good. It's out in the open. Yes, Jill, what you said, she was pissed off. She's going to need a moment to get over it. Everything works out for them. Then we see Jill. She goes and makes up with Simon. And I've got to say, Simon is incredibly gracious when it comes to people apologizing. I know I I give Simon a lot of shit because of what a weirdo he is, but he is really great when people fuck up and come back and apologize. He's so gracious and understanding about where they're coming from. We see Simon, although he's awkwardly, I think, putting his arms around Jill and Jill's kind of trying to back up from him. He does explain as Jill's saying, I'm sorry, I shouldn't have said that to the press. He says, we kind of hear as the music's starting to play, he says to her, it's okay, it's a learning curve for all of us. And he's recognizing that they were, they've never been public figures before and that this is a new thing that they're all navigating. And I thought it was really, it, it really, it showed the good side of Simon. So then Bobby comes up 
They finished apologizing and Jill says, come on, let's go. You two can have a tequila on me. And we see Simon's confessional and he does point out the fact that the irony was not lost on him, that she just put into print that she thinks he drinks too much. And now she's saying, let's go have tequila shots. (laughs) So then they cut to Ramona. She's in the city. It's date night with Mario. They know the hostess at the restaurant. I kind of laugh. Mario kisses her on the cheek. Whatever. Maybe it's not weird, but I thought it was kind of funny. They're at dinner and Ramona is talking and she tells Mario how Jill and Alex ran into each other. Mario says, where? He, she explains the Hamptons. Mario's disgusted. He's like, really? I thought, I thought the Hamptons were akin to work to them. And you can see they're jabbing a little bit at Alex and Simon. And you can see when Mario's talking, there's a little bit of the behind the scenes revealed about what Simon's season two goals seem to be. Because Mario is sitting there explaining, well, he's trying really hard to show he's a loving husband. He's not gay. And, you know, he's like, I don't know. There's something a bit off there. And Ramona goes on. She launches in about how some people are bisexual, but then they decide to settle down and have kids. (laughs) It's like, oh, my God, Ramona. But as Ramona's talking, we get this infamous scene that shows Mario because they're sitting outside on the street. So the sidewalk is next to them because they've got a table up against the little wall of flowers that separates the sidewalk from the outdoor part of the patio. And there are women walking by. And as Ramona's talking, Mario, get he just looks at these women like they're pieces of meat. And he is caught on camera checking out other women. Anyway, unfortunately, probably a precursor of what's to come for them. But anyway, the drinks come, the waitress spills one of the drinks on Ramona. She's actually pretty cool and plays it off. It's not a big deal. For some reason, I would have expected Ramona to be a total bitch about something like that, but she wasn't. And then, but then she loves it. And I, and perhaps why she likes Mario's attention like this is maybe she is a bit insecure. Maybe he, she's seen him look at women like that. I don't know. But he says, oh, I'll lick it off of you or something and kind of kisses on her arm. And she's like, oh, you will. And she just loves it. And they end with the waitress like, okay, I'll leave you two alone. Pretty funny. And then we cut to Bobby Vans. We're back to Bobby Vans. I don't know what it is with Luann and that restaurant. But remember, she and Jill met there last season when they were talking about the upcoming tennis match with Ramona. Perhaps Luann knows the owner or something, or maybe one of someone in production does. But she is meeting up with Kelly to have a drink. And so we meet Kelly Kalorin Ben Simone. She walks in. Hi. Luann explains that the waiter actually just came by to order drinks. And just right off the bat, you see how socially awkward Kelly is. Her reaction is, drinks? Oh my God, it's only the afternoon, Luann. And she's like, Luann's like, well, it's late afternoon. And she just, Kelly, it's like most people, if they walked into that situation, would be like, oh, okay, great. I'll order something when they come over. But she has to make this big stance about how it's the afternoon and she's not going to drink. It's, it's just right off the bat, socially awkward. She's a bit weird. But Luann, of course, explains, well, I'm having a wine or a champagne, so order what you want. I think she orders a cappuccino. We see Luann explaining that Kelly is an equestrian, just like Victoria, her daughter. And so she's met her at the Hamptons Open, the Hamptons Classic, um, during some of the equestrian events. So Luann makes small talk. She's asking her what she's up to. Kelly explains riding horses and says, in fact, she just hopped off the horse. And Luann's like, wow, you look great for just hopping off of a horse. Somehow they bring up, uh, Luann brings up Kelly's book on the bikini, the bikini book, which is from 2006, which is really like a history of the bikini. I have a feeling it's really just a coffee table book with not much substance to it. And Luann mentions that she's also writing a book on manners and etiquette. And it's also funny because when Kelly's book gets brought up, she just seems all too pleased that Luann mentioned her book. But Luann's mentioning her manners and etiquette book that's coming up. Kelly says, oh, that's great. You're going to be Miss Manners. Luann brings up, oh, remember when we ran into each other in the airport at St. Bart's? And I was like, oh, my God, total foreshadowing of Jill and Kelly on Scary Island. And she says, I was with my kids and you were with that hot young guy. It's so it's like, I don't know who Kelly tries to present herself as, but that is so hilarious. And so then we hear a voiceover and confessional of Kelly explaining her backstory. And it's so weird. It's It's almost as if she's like telling a story about somebody else or pretend people. She says, I met this man. He's named Jills Ben Simone. We got married. We were married for eight years. It was, it's just, it's very robotic. 
Um, So she explains that they were married for eight years. She was a model. She met Jill, who worked for Elle magazine. He's a photographer, a fashion photographer. They got married. They had two daughters, C, S-E-A, like the ocean, and Teddy, Tadeus, I think is her full name. She says we had a very tumultuous relationship, which tumultuous seems to be the adjective she uses to describe all of her relationships as we get to know her. And she says, but although we got divorced, we are really good friends. And I talk to him like three to four times a day which is very interesting. And then Kelly looks at Luann and is like, did you ever work with him? Which I thought is such a socialite asshole move because Jill Ben Simone, you you have to be a top-notch model to work with him or somebody important. So Luann explains, no, I was really more of like a catalog model. I didn't do stuff like that, you know, high fashion. But at the end, Luann invites Kelly to Jill's charity benefit for orphans, the help for orphans that's going to be held in the Hamptons. And Kelly asks, oh, she organized the charity. It's her charity, which apparently is a big deal in the charity world. If It's your charity. And she says, yes. Luann explains, yeah, the kids are going to come over. They're going to be doing the gift bags. And Kelly's response, oh, that's so cute. We get the first of cute. I don't know if throwing a charity for orphans is cute, but okay. And then we see Kelly She's, she's, you know, she says she's hesitant to go because she had this other party, a a Christian Dior party, and she doesn't really know Jill. But by the end of the, it's like, well, aren't you trying to make friends and be on this TV show? But whatever. So, but anyway, at the end, Jill and Luann, I mean, Kelly and Luann say goodbye, they leave, and they say they'll see you tomorrow at Jill's charity event. And then they cut to what would be another commercial break. So we open back up with Kelly. She's doing a bathing suit photo shoot. She looks great, of course. And this is her montage for us to get to know Kelly. So we're getting, we're seeing flashes and scenes of her as she's doing a voiceover explaining that she wears many hats. She's an equestrian, a mom. She's got the two kids, as she explains, they're 10 and eight years old. She's an author, which I thought was so hilarious to say that. If I wrote one book, which I'm sure she did not write, it was probably a ghostwriter on the history of the bikini, which is probably more of just a coffee table book. I don't know if I would introduce myself to the public as an author, but again, not my business, not my call to make. She also explains that she lives in the Hamptons. The first time she went there, she was like, this is where I'm going to live. We see her absolutely stunning home. She's hanging out in the backyard with a bunch of go figure attractive young men. It looks like they've just been writing. They're in writing gear. She's talking about Kelly time. One of the guys like, what the hell is Kelly time? She's like, it just means something really fun is going to happen when I get there. It's like, okay, Kelly. (laughs) So then they're cutting to the, the montage. She's doing the trapeze and she's explaining that she lives a luxurious life. And she also works in the fashion industry. She's an, you know, an author, of course. We see her clips of her with Nina Garcia and Beth Stern, Howard Stern's wife, Russell Simmons. She's at fashion shows. We see that clip of her with Russell Simmons, which I always think is so indicative of Kelly. Somebody else comes up and is talking and he's not really giving her much attention. And so, of course, she's got to leave. So she's like, okay, bye. And she like interrupts and gives him a hug and a kiss and like walks off. It's just, it's so Kelly. And as she's explaining that she's an author, of course, there's also a clip of her book um, and it shows... Uh, it shows her talking with maybe one of her um, book editors. And she says this cover, which is a close up of a lower of a bikini bottom that has a zipper on the front. This cover says something is happening here. She says like, okay. And then she goes on and on. And she does this long monologue. How about how she is exposed to so many men all of the time, just everywhere. She's exposed to men and men and men. And there's the clip of her, the clip of her with the guys in the backyard. But then there's also a quick clip of her running in the streets with the taxis, that famous scene. So hilarious. But she explains that she's grateful for her life. So we cut back to Jill. We're at her Hamptons house. Jill and Bethany are in the pool. It's the scene that I said for some reason lives rent free in my house, in in my mind. Bethany is in this two-piece green bikini. This is clearly pre-removal of her implants and I just remember she's so thin and her boobs are so big and so fake. I just first, I think that's why it lives rent free in my mind. But they're talking about the charity event. Jill is explaining that Luann and her kids are coming early to help. And that Luann is also bringing a friend, Kelly Ben Simone. And we see Bethany says, I know Kelly. And we get Bethany's voiceover. She says, Kelly is a real socialite. Whatever that means in the world of BS in New York City, Kelly is a socialite. And she explains that Luann and Kelly are somewhat similar. They're both models, they're equestrians, they're tall. 
And Bethany explains she thinks it's interesting for Luann to be bringing someone like this into the group. Bethany explains to Jill that she's run into Kelly a few times. She's part of the fabulosity crowd. And Jill just starts to grill Bethany. You know, is she married? Oh, they're divorced. Does she want to get remarried? And Bethany's like, I don't know her favorite color. I have no idea if she wants to get remarried. But she gets as much information as she can. And the two la- we leave the two ladies gossiping in the pool. And now it's time for Jill's charity event, Help for Orphans. We cut to Jill. Bethany walks in and says, okay, first off, you have one too many accessories on. You need to take something off. Brad's like, no, you look great. Just take your watch off and you look great. And then we see Jill and Bethany. They're talking about the plans for next year's charity. They're working the room. And Bethany says Jill is the connector. And she's the center of attention and and likes it. And we see Jill work in the room, talking to everybody We see this weirdo tomato painter come up who's like from Italy. And she's like, okay, great. (laughs) It was so weird they had to put it in the show, even though it doesn't relate to anything. And then we see Luann. She arrives. She's with the Count. And we see Jill. She mentions how Luann and her kids never showed up to help stuff the bags, the gift bags. And she had stuff to give and they didn't get them all done. And we get such an insight to Jill because she says, I'll let it go for now, but I'll keep it in the back of my mind for when she needs help with something that she's doing in one of her charities. It's like, Jill, you're so vindictive. and You say you don't hold a grudge, but you just belied your own words. And then Ramona arrives. She looks great. She says Mario's out of town, which I thought was interesting for Fourth of July weekend, but maybe it was another, who knows the timing here, perhaps it could have run over into the next week. Luann explains that she invited a friend, Kelly, and she wants Ramona to read her to meet her. And perfect timing because we see Kelly arrive. She's in this low, but it's a very pretty floral, soft looking dress, very ethereal. But it's one of those low back, it just cuts straight across the back, mid back. And she's very broad. She's a large Amazon woman, as, as all the women will say. She's a model. And it's just such a bad look. It makes her back look so broad. And I'm surprised as a model, she does that. But I don't know, perhaps you don't look at yourself from behind that often. So maybe she doesn't notice. And we see as she's arriving, Kelly's confessional and her voiceover, and she's explaining that it was scary to show up there because she didn't know anybody. She says it's like the first day of school where you just don't know what to expect and not knowing what to expect is so unsettling. You're going to a charity event of a friend in the Hamptons. That's scary and unsettling. It's like this woman is off her rocker. And so not to be surprised, she and Ramona hit it off right away when Luann introduces her to Kelly. And Ramona explains one way to make people comfortable when you're talking to them is to talk about their kids. And she, Ramona asks about her kids and she's, they're learning about her. And then of course, Kelly calls her kids her friends. And Ramona's like, well, I I don't know about friend, but it's like, we just, Kelly, you're just starting to really start to see an insight. And so we see Kelly, her voiceover, she talks about her impression of Ramona. She says Ramona was super sweet, fun, gregarious, and had a really sunny personality. And then we see Ramona and she says, Kelly, you know, she really gave off good energy. And she says, and that's the thing. That's the other thing about Alex and Simon. They don't give off good energy. It's bad energy, she says. And then we see Simon and Alex arrive. Jill is playing nicey-nice with them. We see Ramona playing nicey. We see Ramona playing nicey-nice with Bethany, saying, let's do lunch on Sunday, you know, maybe at 75 Main. Um, you look like a princess. Your waist is so tiny. And I will say Bethany's in this pink dress that has uh, some detail at the waist. And she, her waist is tiny, and it really shows it off. So again, Alex and Simon arrive. Jill's playing nicey-nicey. She's saying she's flattered they came. And then we see Ramona. She says she's surprised that they came and she was clearly disgusted. And so she leaves. She doesn't Irish goodbye. She doesn't say goodbye to anybody. So we end with seeing Luann getting asked, did Ramona say goodbye? And, you know, Bethany's like, it's not really a big deal if she didn't. And Jill's kind of pissed. She's like, well, she should have said goodbye. I'm the host. And Bethany's like, okay, yeah, she probably should have said goodbye to the host. But then we see Bethany, she's in front of, there is a skinny girl cocktails sign in front of the bar. She's clearly donated the the alcohol. And it's an, it's one of her original logos, which did not end up becoming the skinny girl logo. But it's a martini glass with a gal who apparently is supposed to be Bethany, dressed in kind of a baking gear, holding a tray with what looks like a pile of shit on it. Um, and it just, it's not good. So we see Bethany and Alex. Bethany's like, we blew up my logo She looks like she has a fat ass and fat legs. Alex, you do this kind of stuff. Can you help me? And we see Alex. She's looking at it. And we see the sign. It says Skinny Girls Cocktails with that logo. 
And Alex says, yeah, and that doesn't even look like you first off. We definitely need to do something. And she's like, it's a baker on top of a martini glass. (laughs) And she goes, and what is it that she's holding that looks like a pile of shit? And I just love that Alex was finally starting to feel comfortable and having real conversations with Bethany. And they have a good laugh about it. Bethany or Alex says, email me what you have. I'll work on it because graphic design is what she does and marketing. And they just, they have a really great connection. I've always thought Bethany and Alex have a good connection with each other. And it's a great scene of the two of them. And so now it's auction time. So Jill gets up and gives a speech and you know, yells at everyone to buy fabric from Zarin Fabrics and says, does that make you happy, Bobby? And he's thrilled. Everyone laughs. It's really funny. And the episode closes with the charity event coming to an end and the ladies enjoying another summer night in the Hamptons. And then we get the this season on The Real Housewives of New York City, which really just highlights fights. It's fights after fights after fights. It shows Ramona and Luann fighting, Ramona and Alex fighting, Jill and Bethany starting to get a little irritated with each other, Ramona and Alex and Simon fighting. So you see things are just starting to heat up for season two, and it's only going to get better. So that about does it with our deep dive of the premiere episode of Roni season two, episode one's There's a New Girl in Town. And join us next time when we break down Roni Season 2, Episode 2, Hamptons Retreat, but no surrender. And as always, you can find us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at Deep Fix Podcast. And you can listen to our podcast at Podbean, Apple Podcast, Stitcher, Spotify, and most other places where you get your podcasts. Until next time, see y'all then. Thank you.